Well, we're looking tonight, if you're taking notes, just the shield of faith. And as I did last week, we'll just look at two bullet points, a little less time uh, with the children here. But the two bullet points that we'll look at uh, that we're kind of just breaking down the shield of faith into is one, it's provision, and two, it's protection. Uh, you got to have a shield to do something with a shield. And then once you have a shield, what is it that you are hoping to accomplish? So it's provision and it's protection. Now, I'll start off with a, uh, a humorous little story. This is maybe for the adults most. Kids might get this one too, but uh, it gets the point across. There was a little old lady who would come out of her house every morning and she would come onto the steps of her front porch. She would raise her arms in the sky and she would say, Praise the Lord. One day, an atheist moved into the house next door. Over time, he became really irritated with this little old lady. So every morning, he would step out on his front porch and yell after her, There is no Lord. And time passed, and the two went on carrying this way day after day. Then one morning, in the middle of the winter, the little old lady stepped onto her front porch, and she shouted, Praise the Lord. I have no food. I am starving. Lord, Please provide food. The next morning, she stepped onto her porch, and there were two huge bags of groceries sitting there. Praise the Lord, she cried. He has provided groceries for me. The atheist jumped out from behind the hedge and shouted, There is no Lord. I bought you those groceries. The little lady threw up her arms into the air and said, Praise the Lord. He's provided me groceries, and he made the devil pay for them. When, when you have faith in God, you see everything from God's perspective. When you don't have faith in God, you see everything from man's limited perspective. And yes, God can even use those who don't believe in him to accomplish his will. Those of us who have come to faith, we now have faith that God really does intervene on behalf of us. And when you think about the shield of faith, um, you know that faith is an absolute must. It's a must that you believe in God, like this little old lady versus her neighbor who doesn't, but faith is an absolute must. Now, by the way, when it says right here in the text, and above all, it doesn't actually put faith, the real rendering in the Greek means something more to the effect, in addition to, like the rest. So it's actually more of a connecting statement Faith is not more important than the rest of the armor. They're all equally important, although faith uh, is extremely important. Hebrews 11.6 tells us just how much of a must faith is. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, you could underline in your Bible, without faith, it is impossible. That's quite a statement. If you're trying to please God... Without faith, what does the text, what does the scriptures tell us? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. Now, it goes on to say, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, the atheist next door, he didn't believe that God is, did he, kids? He didn't think God existed. Faith is imperative that we believe 
that we walk in faith, but we must. It starts, the fundamental, if you understand what Hebrews eleven six 6 is saying, the fundamental starting point of faith is first believing that God exists. We all do that, right? Everyone here, we believe. But that's not the end point. That's the starting point. We must believe that He is. That, that verse goes on to tell us, the rest of the verse, and He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So we can see that faith has a building process. And if you look at this provision, it's important for us to understand that many, although God provides faith, He wants everyone to have faith, many are trying to walk and please God without exercising real, genuine faith. Many people in the body of Christ, their idea of great faith is to try a new pizza restaurant that they've never tried before. Right? Wow, that's living on the edge right there. To go out and and step away from, well, we know this is good. What if this doesn't taste so great? That's not a great step of faith. God wants us to exercise real, genuine, spirit-led faith. Now, the foundation of our faith, it begins with believing in God, as Hebrews 11, 6, 6 tells us. We must believe that He is. It starts there, and we must believe what He says. Not only that He is... Right? That's the starting point. You have to believe that God exists. But once you believe God exists, you have to also then believe what He says. Because a lot of people say they believe in God, but don't do anything God says. Amen? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. So do you follow Him? Nah, I know He's, I know he's cool with my life. How do you know that? Because uh, he, He's loving. Okay, but have you ever read what He says? We know that Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You believe God exists, now you have to then read His Word, believe His Word, take Him at His Word. So we want to start out, all you kids here, the fundamental thing is we have to have this provision of faith. We have to have faith. We have to believe God is. We have to believe what His Word says. But just like salvation which comes through faith. You know, Paul said, for you have been saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, right? So even our salvation, which faith comes through, faith is very important to us being saved, we must believe the Word of God, believe that we're a sinner, believe that Jesus died on the cross, believe that He rose from death. All those are statements of faith. You ever heard some, you know, some websites have statements of faith? Those are statements. It's what we believe. If we cannot believe that Jesus is who He said He was, cannot believe He rose from dead, cannot believe in the virgin birth, all these things, they're very important that we believe, but faith comes, or just like our salvation, comes through faith. That shield, that shield of faith that God gives us, it starts with His provision. What do I mean by that? Well, John 1.9 tells us the true light which gives light to every man. How much light is God, or who, who is God given light to? Every man. Does that include the communist uh, that's never heard the gospel deep in the heart of China? Yes. Does that include the person deep in the jungles of either Africa or South America? Yes. Does it, believe that, does it mean that they've heard John 3.16? No. But has God given light to every man? Absolutely. Now, who is the light? We know that it's the Lord Jesus himself. And so God's given light to every man. Now, light does what? A light, we got the light, 
on in this building here, light allows us to see, right? Even if we turn the lights off, we'd st- still see okay because the sun is still out uh, to some degree. It hasn't fully set, so we still would benefit from that. But when there's zero light, we can't see anything. So the fact that God would give every man light means that God's give, given all men, Paul, we've been, we're, we've been in the book of Romans, where God's given a conscience and he's given the light uh, of this world itself to get, uh, allow every man to be able to see, to some degree, the existence of God. So God, unless we have his initial, initial revelation of who he is, uh, we're kind of at a real problematic starting point to begin with if God doesn't first reveal something that can give us faith, right? And God does. He's given light to every man. He tells us, he reveals to us who he is, And then when he reveals to us who he is, it reveals to us more of who we are and what we need, right? Not only who we are, but what we need. Think about it like this. Again, if faith starts from God, if he gives light to every man, if God didn't come and, you know, we we were at Bon Air uh, on Sunday night and, you know, all of us that were there were in different units and I was telling the unit that I was in, I said, look, God came and hunted me down. He really did. And that's good. I said, no, really, God pursues all men. What do men do when they're being pursued? Kind of like a deer does when a hunter's pursuing. They, they run, generally speaking. And God corners us and shows us, this is my beloved son, right? So faith, the beginning of faith always comes from where? God. Faith always comes. The provision of faith, the fact that I could ever have faith, it always starts with God. Just like grace starts with God, right? Uh, these things, anything that, uh, that we have received, it all starts from God. We cannot create faith, but God begins to reveal, and then He gives us enough information to say, now I will give you what you need to believe. God will always give us enough to then say, yes, Lord, I believe. And that's where that, that's that beginning, that mustard seed, if you will, of faith, even smaller than a mustard seed, because Jesus said if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. That tells us how small our faith really is, isn't it? Mustard seed is actually when you become really mature. Uh, it's smaller than that. But this beginning comes from the Lord, and I can uh, kind of paint another picture of it like this way. Without anyone ever telling you, when you were born, no one had to tell you to be thirsty. You were. All babies. Yeah, when you give that baby a bottle, it tends to know what to do, doesn't it? Without anyone, and even if you could try and explain it to the baby, they don't understand your language, but they know when you put the bottle in, they start sucking on the bottle, right? All right, baby, I'm going to put the bottle in. You need to be thirsty and start drinking. God put it already there, that desire to be thirsty. Now, God is placed within our physical bodies a desire to have something to drink. Just like when we were little, and we don't have to have someone convince us of this desire. It's there. God gives us. In the same way, He gives us a desire to know that He is, a desire to know that He exists, and we either then, when we are revealed by the Lord enough to know, we can say, I believe, or I I totally reject it. Faith is to say, yes, Lord, I do believe. As you get older, you're still going to want something to drink, aren't you? 99 degrees outside a few weeks ago, you didn't have anyone telling you, 
you should probably get thirsty now and go get something to drink. You, the, the desire will be there. God puts it in it. It's a known need. Now, when it comes to faith, though, there are many things which we have to believe in that are not necessarily things that we can verifiably touch or see or taste or smell. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now it goes on to tell us in the third verse of Hebrews chapter 11 uh, that we can actually tell by the physical world that there has to be a creator. Essentially, that's, that's the point. And all the things, matter of fact, I even had one of the uh, young men ask me about that uh, on Sunday night, uh, asked me about that very verse, talking about the evidence of things not seen. And I said, well, take a look at these cinder block walls. What are they made of? <laughs> the guys all said, concrete. I said, all right, beyond concrete, if we go all the way down, they're made of atoms at the atomic level. Can you see an atom? No, you have to have electron microscopes that can get down to that level. But the human eye can't see at the atomic level, can it? But yet, they're invisible things. And even inside atoms are even more invisible, smaller uh, particles. And only God, you know, that science hasn't even yet fully understood. But God has taken an entire world. But what we can see, what is physical... We can observe. We can observe. You know, Ray Comfort, I mentioned, uh, just came out with the evolution versus God uh, video. A lot of people, like the man I mentioned, the, the little humorous story at the beginning, are, claim to be atheists. They don't believe God exists. I don't know how a person can look at a giraffe and an acorn and a human eyeball and literally billions of other completely different things and think they all created themselves all magically just uh, turned into the most incredible things of whether it be color or beauty or complexity, and that's not even speaking of the, um, the universe itself and the complexity of the galaxies and the stars and the planets and the solar systems and all the other things. And as Ray mentions well, in the, you know, what scientist can create a grain of sand? Just create a grain of sand, and you'll impress us all. Just one rose in the video. You, you, we'll show it here. But you see that the physical world, the physical world is a proof point of God's existence. So we can have faith that God is who he says he is just by looking at the physical world. This is what Paul starts his whole argument in the book of Romans in Romans chapter 1, right? He says the things that are clearly seen. So they're not, our faith is not unreasonable. It's very reasonable, isn't it? Because there's a lot we can see. But there are things we can't see. I'll give you a good example. I can see the physical world and know that there has to be a creator. I know that, there, I know that someone built this building. I know it didn't build itself. I know there's a construction crew. I can look at the universe. I can look at the complexity of my hand or any other thing that you want to pick in the created world. And we can say there must be a creator. But there are things we can't see. I've never seen heaven. How about you? I've never been to heaven yet. I plan on being there, but I've not been to heaven, so I can't observe. The only thing I can observe about heaven is where? 
right here. And there's no other, even though people have written some fantastic books about hypothesizing, none of those things we can verify. The only thing we know for sure about heaven is what's right here. If the Bible mentions it, we know it. We know some things about heaven. There really are streets of gold, right? There really is a rainbow around the throne of the Lord Jesus. But where it is, is it up this way? Is it this way? Is it, you know, how big is it? We don't know. Those are things we can't see. But because God's trustworthy with what we can see, we know he's trustworthy with the things not seen. The things that we... I didn't see... How it, did any of you see Jesus die on the cross? No. I know he did. How about you? I don't doubt that anymore. Matter of fact, I'm more sure Jesus died on the cross than I am of lots of things I can see in the physical realm every day. I know without a shadow of a doubt. Now, there's a lot of evidence for that too. The empty tomb, the eyewitness accounts, but there's things that we've never seen. People will challenge you on these things too, say, well, you weren't there, right? But God has shown us he's trustworthy with the things that he has seen. This is why, you know, Billy Graham has said for years, we're going to do the uh, hope with Billy Graham in November. Billy Graham has said for years, if you can believe Genesis 1-1, you're not going to have a problem with any of the rest of the Bible. True? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Once you believe that, it's not hard to believe that Jesus walked on water. You know, when you can create in a universe, you can raise yourself from the dead. Because creating a universe is something out of nothing. You can do anything when you really are God. So we have this provision of faith that God gives us. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say it's reasonable that God's given mankind more than enough evidence to believe in him? To believe his word? And when we begin to believe in God, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I mention this every so often because it's so applicable to so many pastors. Remember the statement of Jesus again. To him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. The more you actually believe God, you'll believe God even more. Does that make sense? The more you believe God, you'll believe him even more. You'll believe things that at first you had, because the, the other things become statements of faith of, well, I now obey God. Not just believe these things, but I'll actually go and do the things that he says. Right? It's one thing for Abraham to believe God exists. It's another thing for Abraham to leave his family behind in Ur and go to a whole new country where he's never been. He doesn't even know where he's going. Go to the land I will show you. Uh, where is it? I'll show you. I believe you exist, God. But the more you believe in God, Noah, build a boat. What's a boat? Build an ark. I'll give you the dimensions. It's one thing to believe God, but it's a different thing that God now says, all right, I want you to take new steps of things. That you, it, you're, you're, God, you're speaking a different language. I don't even know what this is. I'll reveal it to you. But it has to first. Would you, believe that, would you agree, kids, that Noah and Moses, or Noah and Abraham, first had to believe God existed? They had to then believe his voice. They had to believe his words. Then they had to believe what he said to do. And then they had to go forward and do it. See, our faith, it starts with salvation, but it should grow, right? It should grow. You plant a, you plant a seed in the ground, you don't want it to just stay in the ground. You want it to grow. You're planting something because you hope 
If you're planting tomato seeds, you're hoping you'll actually see it grow into an actual tomato plant. Unless I grow it, then it's not such a good chance of that. But some of you might have better success. But our faith, it should lead us to take new steps of faith. And those new steps of faith become as we obey the things that God says, the things that he reveals. We take these new steps of faith. It's his provision. So God, God doesn't give us something that fades away. He gives us something that grows. That's why Jesus talks about that mustard seed. Even the kingdom of God is like a seed that go, grows up and it covers the whole world. It's something that grows. It starts very small. This faith that we start out, God gives us just enough faith. I've heard, again, I've heard Billy Graham and others preach, God will give you just enough faith to believe in him tonight. Well, I don't understand all the things in the Bible. That's not your concern at the moment. The concern is, and you're going to see when, when Greg preaches in uh, uh, September and, and we do the other one in November, again, that, that statement will be made probably a couple of times. All, the, the thing God wants to know, will you believe what I've said about your sin and my son? The rest of it, you'll come to believe all those things too. You'll, become, you'll begin to grow in those things so God gives us enough faith to start with. When we believe in him, it'll grow. We'll take new steps of faith. And then that faith will help us do what? Obey God and serve other people. Because God doesn't want our faith to be dead. He wants it to be active, alive, dynamic, vibrant, growing, multiplying. Our shield of faith not only helps us God gives us that shield. It starts with salvation, gives us the shield of faith, says you're going to need this shield for every step now in your Christian life. You're going to need this shield of faith. We'll get to the protection in just a second. But that shield of faith will not only help us, but it will help other people. James, James chapter 2, verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith with works. James is saying, your faith should not be something, you know, some people say, well, my faith with God is very private. You ever heard that statement? That's very unbiblical, you could say back, gently. So that's, I, I understand, and I, I believe you probably didn't come up with that statement because it's been said as long as I can remember. Someone came up with it originally. Whoever came up with it deserves an award. Because it really has caught fire. A lot of people, well, my faith is private. James would say, how is that possible? Your faith should be evident and works to everybody. People should know you're a person that believes in Jesus Christ. They should know you have faith in Christ. They should know you have faith in the Father. And it should be evident because you reach out. You know, how can I tell the kids at Bonaire, I hope you guys get saved, but I'm never going to come see you. But I sure hope you get there. I hope someone goes to you, right? Now, you could say, well, you could then play the game. Well, well, then if you say that's true, you should be everywhere. But the point is, God wants you to go somewhere, right? We can't be everywhere at once, but we can be somewhere, right? The, the faith... The faith to say, God, you've said this is important, that we've put, been put on the earth to go 
into all the world and preach the gospel. I believe, so God says that. We either believe that. Just like you say, I believe God created the world. Great. All right? God says, all right, if you believe I created the world, you believe I sent my son? Great. All right, you believe I sent my son to go into all the world? Yes. Now I want you to do it. Well, I don't believe that. I believe the first three. The last one, I don't think you really meant. Right? God says, no, I mean that too. You believe the other things to get to the place where your faith and your works are molded together in the power of the Holy Spirit, where I work through you by faith to accomplish my work in this world. See, the real shield of faith, the real shield of faith, it's actually in our hands. You kids remember this thing from VBS? You guys all made a shield? This one got bedazzled because my daughter's hat did this one, right? So that means it got little gems and stuff on it. It's the way girls do things. Uh, you know, they put stuff like that on there. Guys probably drew dragons and stuff like that. But anyway, but you know, you do a, you do a shield, you get a shield like this, God gives you a shield. But what do you think, if God gives you a shield, what's he want you to do with it? Throw it over your shoulder? Right? Put it in the closet? No, no, he expects the shield to be out and ready. That's what the text says. It says right here, taking the shield, taking the shield of faith. You've got you to take it. You've got to grab it. You've got to pick it up. You've got to use the shield, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. So we know it's active. Last week we talked about the feet shot of the gospel of, feet, uh, gospel of peace. We're not in the stands or in the locker room wearing flip-flops, are we? We're on the field wearing the cleats. And the same is true of the shield. The shield is not going to do me a bit of good if it's nowhere near me. You're under attack. I don't have a shield. I don't have any faith. Someone else's faith. Where's someone else's shield? Right? Just like the parable of the virgins. They had to have their own oil, didn't they? Someone else couldn't help them at the time. Hey, well, hey can I have some of your oil? You have to take and invest in the life of the Spirit, have the oil of the Holy Spirit flow in your life. You have to take the shield of faith. You have to take new steps of faith all the time. Take the faith that God's given you and say, Lord, now I don't know about you, but I literally pray, Lord, help me grow in faith. Because, you know, left to my own, I won't grow in faith. Left to my own, this shield gets put over here. And the Lord will remind me, you know, God's good. He doesn't only gives you a shield, but He will remind you to keep picking it back up. He'll say, hey, shield's over there. We're going out to battle, right? He will remind, how, how many of you get reminded by God all the time that you're weak in faith? Now, does he say, you're weak in faith, ha ha, and walk away? Or does he say, you're weak in faith, grab the shield, and let's make sure that you're holding it right, right? He doesn't tell you you're, you're lacking to just point it out. That's what people at work do that are trying to prove they're better than you are. Miss something. Hey, walk right by. Uh, you misspelled two words in that. Are you, are you helping or are you really caring? There are people that are genuine, but I've worked in, I worked in the business world for 17 years. Many times, it's not always caring. It's just to prove I know something and you don't. But God doesn't act that way. If he says you left the shield over there, he really means you need to get the shield because fiery darts are coming. Right? He's preparing us. We're not going to be able to enter a battlefield without it. You know, Paul told Timothy we're going to have to endure as soldiers. Soldiers needed the shields. Now let's uh, wrap things up. 
with the protection, its protection. We know, it's, we know the provision. We know it's important. We know we must have faith. We know we, it starts with believing in God that He is. It's then believing what He says and goes on to believing His testimony about Jesus Christ. We were at church uh, on our Sunday service, the testimony of Christ, just like the testimony of the commandments. We know that faith starts with God, but we must exercise the faith to believe. But once we've done that, we know that faith has a continual beneficial, protective work in our life. How do we know that? It says it in the text here. The shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The faith that I have allows me to endure Satan's attacks. In Romans 1.17, it tells us, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's quoted from Habakkuk 2, uh, where Paul quotes that. The just will live by faith. In other words, it's the lifeline of their life, is faith, constantly, faith. Hebrews chapter 11, you, many of you have read it, it's the hall of faith, isn't it, right? It goes through all the saints who live by faith, they did this by faith, stop the mouth of lions by faith, right? Uh, believe God by faith, faith, and faith, and faith, and keep growing in faith. And again, Abraham's life is a great study of a man that would continue to grow in faith, uh, always with something out there, for example, all those years that Isaac wasn't in their life, still believing that Isaac was coming. Well, they didn't even know his name. That would be right up in, near the last minute, but name him laughter. But the faith that God was going to do what he said, I'm going to give you a son, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. But faith protects us in so many ways. Now, kids... See if you're listening. Who attacks our faith? Who attacks our faith? Verse 16, the fiery darts of the wicked one. Who is the wicked one? It's the head demon himself, Satan. Right? He has his forces. He he has his minions that work for him. Satan attacks our faith. Now, we already have our own flesh that erodes our faith. Don't, dist- don't miss the two. Your own rotten flesh will erode your faith. Satan, you know, K.P. O'Hannon, I quote K.P. a lot, where he says, people blame the devil. He didn't do it, right? They blame the devil for everything, right? A lot of times it's not Satan. So uh, sometimes it has nothing to do with the dark coming this way it has everything to do with, uh, well, you just sat there and ate eight pounds of candy, which is just kind of wasteful things that make you sluggish and you couldn't pick the shield up if you wanted to, right? That's not Satan necessarily. His attacks are fiery darts that come in, really intended to derail the believer from walking in Christ. You have your own flesh to deal with. Paul deals with that in other epistles, doesn't he? But this particular, uh, this particular um, admonishment of the shield of faith tells us that we fight against, go back up to verse 12, we don't fight against flesh and blood other than our own flesh. Uh, it's not other people, but it's principalities and powers and spiritual uh, rulers of darkness and uh, spiritual hosts. That's the demonic realm, isn't it? So the demonic realm and the wicked one really does attack. If you decide to really start to walk in faith, you'll get new attacks from the enemy. Right? 
I think I sent out uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I may get it wrong, exactly what uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, who went home to be with the Lord, but he said, you know, if you're not, uh, if the devil's not bothering you, it's because you and him are going the same direction. Right? That's true. I may have paraphrased, but that's essential. I think I got it at least 98% right, what he said. But, you know, the, the devil's not bothering people who are on their way with the world, he's not, he's not bothering. He doesn't know, there's no work that needs to be done. There's no attack that needs to be, because they already are on the broad road to destruction. But if you're going to serve the Lord, and even Christians that are saved, that have all of a sudden decided to just sit down on the job, Satan doesn't really have to spend much time. But if you're going to serve Christ and walk by faith, the fiery darts will be coming. So who is it attacks our faith? Well, it's Satan himself, the servant. Way back in the Garden of Eden, uh, who was it that asked and said to Eve, hath God said? Testing. Do you really believe what God says? Can, you, can God really be trusted? You believe what God says? Why don't you listen to me, a snake, instead? And she does, doesn't she? Goes on to say, you shall not surely die. At least not immediately. Not the instant you eat it. He likes to leave information out too, doesn't he? Oh, did I, did I say, I didn't say you'd never die. I just said not immediately, not surely, quickly. Sorry, I missed that. Satan's good at manipulating. That's why you have to know the Word of God. It's a protection, and we're going to get to the sword of the Spirit uh, as well, but it's a protection to know the Word of God. Faith comes by the Word of God, right? The more you know the Word of God, every time Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, what did Jesus do? It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus said, I have faith in my Father's Word. I don't have faith in my strength. I don't have faith in my ability. I don't have faith in my intellect. I only have faith on what God has said and who God is. Amen? That's worth standing on. Jesus is the rock. The storms can come, but if the house built on the rock, what will happen? It'll stand. It'll actually take a fiery dart, and it'll, it'll hold up. Now, the Roman soldiers, they had those shields that you could actually shoot these fire and actually could repel them, bounce right off them. You don't want to get hit by a fiery dart. An arrow, an arrow can kill you as it is, and they would be on fire, catch your whole, uh, uh, all of your uh, armor on fire. You have to have this shield. Use the shield. Now, I brought some arrows too, kids. See these? These are Nerf arrows. Don't get scared. I could, if I wanted, I could fire a few at you. You know, I could put it in here, and they, they go 100 feet, so I could hit the people in the back. But I won't. But these arrows, these arrows, what kind of arrows does Satan sow in us? Arrows of doubt, right? Arrows of temptation. You know, Joseph in the Bible was a very godly man. Guess who sent Potiphar's wife to him? Joseph didn't say, hey God, can you please send me Potiphar's wife to mess with my mind? Satan center, right? That's different than Samson, who God did not send Delilah. Samson went and found her. Do you see the difference? There's a difference between diving into sin and falling. Falling is when Satan sets up a trap 
and you walk into it. But you've got to be able to recognize it. it says we're not, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. You've got to be able to see the traps. Joseph saw the trap, and he put up a shield of faith. What did he say? I cannot do this thing against the Lord. That's a shield of faith. He believed that God said it was wrong. And by faith, he said, I cannot do this thing. He put up a shield. It bounced off, and he ends up in jail. Right? Shield of temptation. How about the shield of being tired? These are arrows. Not, these are arrows. How about the arrow of being tired? People make a lot of compromises when they're tired. How about the arrow of fear? Fear will make the fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. How about the arrow of fear? How about the arrow of pain, physical pain, emotional pain? Those arrows that Satan will say, You're in too much pain, you deserve this. Right? How about the arrow of frustration? People will frustrate you, situations will frustrate you, right? How about the arrow of weakness? But God would say, I know, weakness, but I make strength perfect in weakness. The shield of faith says, I understand, because Satan will say, well, you're too weak, you should, you should adopt this philosophy, do this, cut corners. God would say, no. Back to what my word says. How about the arrow of disappointment? The arrow of failure? The arrow of persecution? Our brothers and sisters around the world deal with this one. We generally do not, do we? The arrow of persecution. Many fall away because of persecution. How about the arrow of criticism? Sometimes you'll be criticized for your walk with Christ. Criticized in your own household. Criticized in your own family. How about the arrow of just hurt feelings? Right? Or the arrow of self-pity. See, some of these we allow. Satan will, Satan will use whatever arrow. And by the way, he has a lot of arrows, doesn't he? I only named a few. And you think if that one doesn't work, he just keeps pulling another one. Say, oh, that's out in the bag. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. But the shield of faith, who agrees with me that shield of faith can repel them all? Same shield. Same shield. It's when you know the word of God and actually believe it, and you start to quote it. You do like Jesus. You're out in the wilderness. You say, Lord, I know your word says. Lord, I know your word says. Lord, I know your word says. You are talking to yourself and God at that time, by the way. You know that? But that's okay. You're preaching yourself a little faith-built sermon. Come to a close here. Isaiah 28 says of Jesus, Isaiah 28, 16, Jesus is a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. What does that mean to act hastily? It means to just blurt out and act in the flesh. But when we believe God, he restrains us from doing dumb things. It's a shield to us, protects us. We believe in his sure foundation. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He'll run out of arrows when God says, all right, that's enough. Job had this. God said, you can fire X amount of arrows at Job. I've given him a shield. He can deflect all your arrows because of the faith I've given him, but you can't kill him. You're not allowed to use that arrow. And you can't, you know, there's certain things he couldn't do. And so God says, all right, you've tried all your arrows. He's back to me. And then he blessed Job multiple times over, didn't he? But Job had to first keep using the shield of faith. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust. 
my shield. This is not just a New Testament concept. The ultimate, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Are you thankful for the shield of faith? We have to really exercise it, don't we, kids? Let's close in prayer.